The Commons Good podcast team is sitting down with the All-America City 2020 finalists to learn more about the work and the individuals helping to steward it forward. In this episode of the All-America City podcast mini-series, we have the opportunity to connect with Mindy Tate of Franklin Tomorrow and Mayor Ken Moore of Franklin County, Tennessee. Let's jump in. Um, So I've been executive director of Franklin Tomorrow since 2009. Before that, I had a multi-year career in the media here in Middle Tennessee, but that was always something where I thought about serving my community, and I was happy to serve my community. After 30 years in the media, I sort of said, is this what I want to do the rest of my life? And the answer was no, but I still wanted to be of service to my community, and I had served on the board of Franklin tomorrow and served as board chair. And we were in transition looking for an executive director, and uh, they did a nationwide search. I was not involved in that aspect, but I did apply, and so joined Franklin Tomorrow as the executive director. And then over the last 10 years, I think we've transitioned our organization from being something that was a little more hidden gem to Franklin to being something with our mission, which is to engage the community, foster collaboration, and advocate for a shared vision for the future of Franklin. And we do that as an independent 501c3, but with great collaboration and cooperation with the city of Franklin and other organizations and individuals in our community. Ken Moore, I've been mayor of Franklin since January 2011. I was elected alderman in 2007. And I've had three different elections, uh, two of which were uncontested, and that was the last two. Uh, My background is uh, I practiced orthopedic surgery, primarily hand surgery, for over 28 years. So that probably gives you a little hint as why I've had some focus on the health of our community. So I, I value the relationship we have with Franklin Tamara. Uh, I used to think that I was leaning on too heavy uh, as a local nonprofit, that, but I found that uh, we really work well together and we have so many common goals. Uh, and there's certain things that cities can't do uh, because of the way we're structured, but we can partner with other organizations. And Franklin Tamar has been a great partner. The mayor has, has really put together this as a, as a component of his administration. But we, in, 2000, in 2010, I think it was, Franklin Tomorrow did a revisioning of our uh, strategic plan and the strategic priorities, because what we do is what the citizens say is important to them. Those are the areas that we work in. And we used to say business, community character, education, environment, government, growth and development, housing, recreation, transportation, something else, and people. And that got too much. But when we did a revisioning and and condensed our mission statement, we realized in those 10 areas and the goals and strategies supporting them, nowhere was the health and well-being of our community identified. And we couldn't believe it because health and well-being here in our community, we're the healthiest county in the state of Tennessee. But when you look at Tennessee's rankings, that doesn't say much. So we started by putting together a coalition of healthcare executives, healthcare leaders, physicians, and then lay people, 
and put together an organization called Get Fit Franklin. And our initiative was to encourage people to take the first step to fitness by going out their front door for a walk or going to a park and walking on a trail or sidewalk. What it allowed us to do, it allowed us to advocate for greater connectivity in our community and more trails and greenways and river walks, which citizens had told us in surveys and in interaction was important to them. And when Mayor Moore became mayor, he really was concerned about the health of Franklin and we connected when he was contacted by the Governor's Foundation for a Healthier Tennessee, we connected on Get Fit Franklin and taking it a little larger. Yeah, and uh, of course the initiative was uh, under Governor Haslam's administration that he wanted to encourage communities to be healthier. And we were selected as one of the initial pilot communities because I think we already were expressing uh, interest in the health of our community. Actually, a lot of what we were doing kind of started from a a community-wide sustainability initiative where we started to study and look at the health and uh, try to be a top 25 green city initially. And we we know that has such broad connotation, but a lot of our sustainability effort has resulted in savings to our community, but also a healthier workforce, we think. We did have uh, kind of a forum where we invited uh, some uh, really smart people to come in and have some community input about the health of our community. And we settled on four different areas, obesity, activity, mental health, and tobacco cessation. But certainly to get fit Franklin and out walking and being outside and connectivity and community design, all have played an important role and us as a city. We have a a citizenry that wants to be engaged and overall both Franklin Amaro and the city of Franklin try to do everything we can to make that easy. I think that part of that is that people know that we're going to present timely information and it's going to be trustworthy and information they can use. Well, it was time for us to do a revisioning again, to set new priorities and further listen to citizens. But we weren't really wanting to do dot-mocracy again. I personally did not want to count all those dots on boards that said this is what's important to me. So we saw on the table, which was created by the Chicago Community Trust about 10 years ago, we saw that program and then found where the Knight Foundation had put it into their newspaper communities. The closest one to us was Lexington, Kentucky and the Bluegrass Community Foundation. We took a group and went up for their on the table initiative. And one of the people, as we got back in the car to head back to Franklin from Lexington said, as she closed the door, she said, we can't not do this. And it it really was true. It was a chance to bring people together over a meal to talk about what's good in our community, what can be better, and how, as engaged citizens, they play a role in making those things happen. In 2018, over 40 locations for conversations in churches and homes and businesses, public events, but we had a great experience with On the Table and our information 
and we had over 400 people complete the post-event survey, which guided our direction. But what was great about that was that our information matched what the city had gathered through the National Citizen Survey that they do through ICMA. So that was so interesting that it matched and gelled so closely. Well, you mentioned the National Citizen Survey, and our policy is that we conduct a, a citizen survey every other year to gauge how we're doing as a community. And uh, I'm proud to say that uh, we score very, very high in all those categories, and you can refer back on that. But there are some areas that we need need improvements, so uh, we focus on those also. You know, I'd go back to uh, many years ago when many of the people were visioning our community and economic growth of our community and the growth of our schools and the excellence they were seeking. Uh, I think it's attracted uh, folks that want to be engaged in the community. I mean, we do live, uh, I say we live in a bubble all the time, but uh, we do know that there's certain segments of the population that uh, uh, we would like to be uh, more inclusive of. And so recognizing that, that we have uh, a lot of different uh, ethnicities here, and also uh, a lot of different languages are spoken in some of our schools. Uh, we have a lot of different religions. Uh, a few years ago, we uh, reached out with the help of Franklin Tamara to create an organization called Unite Williamson, which is, uh, the tagline is helping people under, uh, know who their neighbors are, making friends of their neighbors. And so uh, we've been working on that. Now we've had two successful interfaith prayer breakfasts last two years. This year we're going virtual just because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but I say this uh, with some caution is that my concern was that it would be like a chamber of commerce meeting. Uh, and that does, that's not negative. <laughs> we had a totally different group of people that came to it, which I was thrilled to see. Uh, and last year, uh, one of the speakers uh, said, everybody stand up and take out their phone and ask the person next to you to exchange information. And many of us in that crowd that day of between four and 500 exchanged information with people we had never met. And so I know it resulted in a, a good friendship with someone on my side. And I'm sure there are many other friendships that came out of that. So we're trying to engage all of the community. What I noticed pretty early on was that it was easy to talk about being fat. It was easy to talk about not getting enough exercise, but it was very difficult for a lot of people to talk about mental health issues and particularly to approach other people. Uh, in our community, uh, we had a higher incidence of suicide and uh, our chief of police and I both have been very concerned about it. We've attended uh, uh, rallies every year for uh, teen suicide and been speakers there. And so based on some of our experiences, we said, well, we need to get this out in the community and open up the conversation. Uh, so uh, at the suggestion of uh, uh, 
several people. We created what we called a blue ribbon panel. And uh, we came together uh, with uh, people from the school system, from mental health professionals, uh, pastors, and hired a facilitator for four sessions where we came together. Number one, how do we address mental health in our community? Because it is such a huge issue. And we came up with uh, several guiding principles. First of all, we found that uh, it was very confusing where those resources were. So we worked to develop uh, a list of resources that we thought were the very best resources available and very easy for everybody to understand. Second, we thought that it would be good if we could create a website where people could go and find those resources very easily. Uh, thirdly, uh, because of the suicide incidents, uh, the group decided that we needed to focus on uh, CPR for mental health or a QPR training, uh, question, persuade, refer. And so we're working in that direction. And then lastly, we identified that uh, we don't have a mental, enough mental health professionals here or enough mental health space and we've seen other communities that uh, have created uh, portals for people to be able to get into the mental health system easier. Uh, most mental health crisis calls, they either go to jail or they go to the emergency room. Uh, if they go to the emergency room there, they may be there two or three days. So we think long-term, and we're studying this now, is how can we create uh, an opportunity for a place for people to go and, and get into a continuum of care uh, for their mental health uh, issue long term. So we became involved because we were we were concerned and we're hearing concerns from citizens about not just mental health issues but also substance use disorder. And that's our we're we're updated our vocabulary as mm -hmm. well. We used to say that somebody had a drug problem. Now they have a substance use disorder. And so we're a little more attuned and I think educated ourselves in what the needs exist in our community. So we started by also bringing these up as topics for our Frank Talks, exposing the community to the fact that sure, we live in a beautiful community and there's a bubble, but there are also issues like substance use disorder, like mental health, like hunger, and how can we as concerned citizens impact those? So while COVID has slowed us down a little bit, we have trained about 50 or 60 people in the gateway training, the online training that we can do so far. And we're excited that we have a grant from Vanderbilt University Medical Center that will allow us after we're able to gather together to do that train the trainer program. And we hope by next year to have trained one to two percent of our population in the train the trainer but also as having exposed them to the QPR and as the mayor refers to it the CPR for mental health and so we're excited about that opportunity it's about making a difference and helping people have the tools to respond when emergency appears I think you know what people say about our town is obviously we can't hide that that monument or statue sits on the public square. The city has partnered with 
the ministers and that community came forward. And now we're telling a fuller story. And one day the goal is to tell the full story and to be an example of a community that can do that. I would say that in my career in the media, I covered the city really reclaiming and uncovering our battlefield. As Mayor Moore said, over 10,000 soldiers were either killed or wounded in that battle, which happened at night in our, basically in our downtown and all across the town. And it's, we've uncovered the battlefield because it is part of our history, this battle and what happened in our community. And by the fuller story, we're coming closer to telling the full story. And hopefully one day that will lead to even more conversation and even to a greater understanding of each other as we look for not repeating the past. I, I would say that obviously we are struggling with the current situation, but I'm proud to say that we've had multiple demonstrations or rallies and everything has remained peaceful and respectful. And I think that's that's been great and that's something we can point to. And I think it is in part because this is a community that's willing to talk to each other and listen. I do think we've got difficult conversations ahead as whether it's about telling the fuller story or balancing what people see as a civic pride issue in our community. They love our main street. They love our square. I actually call it a squircle because it's a square in the center inside of a roundabout inside of a square building. So I call it the squircle and that lightens the mood a moment, but it's a very serious discussion in the community and recognizing that everyone has a viewpoint and has a feeling about it. It can't be something decided just in one discussion. And so I'm proud to see a number of discussions occurring and groups talking to each other. Just this month for our Frank Talks, we had Dr. Andre Churchwell, who's the Vice Chancellor of Vanderbilt University, and he spoke on just overcoming everyday bias. And it was a wonderful discussion. We had about 150 people on the webinar and we've gotten a lot of comments about it, but also we've seen that people have shared it and watched it and are talking about it and are trying to look at their biases and understanding that we're not all exactly alike. Yes, we're all humans and we're all people and we deserve to be treated with respect, but we do have ingrained biases and how do we overcome those or disrupt them to be able to live in a peaceful and better society? We are also concerned about really reinforcing during this difficult time what we call community collaborations. We say collaboration is our middle name because our mission is to engage the community, foster collaboration, and advocate for a shared vision for the future of Franklin. Our nonprofit, we're in a good spot, but we know that other organizations are suffering, whether it's with staff reductions, with donation reductions, or with just how the community is responding. So we're concerned that that's gonna make collaboration difficult. And how can we take our resources and reinforce collaboration so that our community continues to thrive 
in all the areas that are being served by organizations as well as the city of Franklin. So our collaboration with them is very important. Well, I've got a pretty long list. You know, uh, probably the number one concern before COVID was traffic and congestion and how do we manage that? And that's certainly a big, big focus. And I think now we've come back around to recognize how important small businesses are to our, our community. 90% of our businesses are, are small. Uh, certainly we have a lot of uh, North American headquarters and big flagship type businesses, uh, but we need to be focusing on uh, how we get this economy uh, geared up and going again and what do we need, need to be doing to uh, flatten the curve and get people back where they have confidence in being in the office, visiting our restaurants, visiting our shops, and so on. Well, certainly uh, the CARES Act uh, was a big help with the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. Those were important. Uh, certainly as a city, uh, we would uh, consider some other programs if needed where we might uh, reach out to the community and also reach into our pocket and consider some uh, help for those businesses. I know that given some of the uh, other tensions that we see currently, uh, uh, reached out to the chamber and uh, uh, there's gonna be a, a small business black coalition, a business coalition that uh, will be starting to meet uh, and address those concerns that maybe they don't have equal footing. Maybe there are issues that we need to be addressing as a community and put some pressure to uh, make sure that everybody is on equal footing as their business is being successful. So I look forward to that, that particular opportunity. Franklin Amaro wants to continue the conversation and amplify the conversation on diversity in our community and recognizing quite honestly that it is more than black and white here in this community at this point. We have a growing East Indian community as well as a Hispanic community and making sure that their voices are heard. So we want to participate in making sure that is part of our conversation, disrupting that everyday bias and also help creating greater understanding I think we're also concerned about the needs in our community that sometimes are behind the curtain a little bit, and that relates to hunger, and that relates to poverty in our community, and understanding that we are very blessed, and we are very lucky to live here, and there are others that are very lucky and feel blessed to live here, but they have very specific needs and concerns right now that are not being met, and so Again, in that community collaboration, supporting organizations like Grace Works and One Gen Away and other organizations that are related to the hunger and poverty that exist in our community. So fostering those collaborations is really at the heart of what Franklin Morrow will be working on in 2020, for the remainder of 2020 and into 2021. Well, I think we've hit a pause button with COVID-19, and that pause button has allowed us to uh, look inward a little more, look at our families a little differently, look at our business community a little differently, and and uh, also look at the uh, 
additional needs of our community. We've seen it strained as far as some of the feeding programs for uh, the kids. Uh, uh, we've seen uh, uptick in uh, mental health crisis, uh, domestic violence. So uh, one, of, one of our Blue Ribbon panel members uh, commented to me one day, and she says, there is a lot of pain and hurt in Williamson County and Franklin. And there's no family that's immune from ups and downs. None of us have the perfect family. We all have stories to tell. So I think that whenever the group picked the name Find Hope Franklin, they picked it at a good time. And it's something that is going to help guide us moving forward to Find Hope Franklin and continue to take care of each other in this community. The Yellow America City Voices are brought to you by the Commons Good podcast team at Community Initiatives and the Institute for People, Place, and Possibility. On the podcast, we talk stewardship and starting points for learning and acting together to secure intergenerational well-being and equity for all. We do this by making visible the practices and progress of community pace setters, sparking dialogue about what it will take to create legacies of dignity and inclusion, and by building the civic muscle needed to expand the vital conditions we all need every day to thrive. This new mini-series is developed in partnership with the National Civic League and the All-America City Awardee finalist. We believe people working together build better communities and invite you to share the podcast with your fellow changemakers. makers.